welcome to another episode of Connect the Knox. I'm your host, Julia Hurley, connecting Knoxville to the nation. Today's guest is Tyler Cobble, huge real estate developer, real estate commercial mogul, and personal friend of mine, located currently in Nashville, Tennessee, and taking over Nashville by storm. Tyler, thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Julia. I don't know about uh, that intro, but I do appreciate the kind words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, never a dull moment around Julia Hurley, and I never lie on an intro. So all of those things are true. I'm going to pat you on the back even if you don't want to. That's right. So listen, Tyler, tell the audience today how you ended up in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, I was actually born and raised here, uh, which is pretty great. I mean, you know, Nashville was a, a very small, sleepy town when I was growing up, and it's it's night and day compared to what it was uh, back then, which which is a lot of fun. You know, it's uh, I like to tell people I got a different city without having to move away, uh, which is pretty nice. <laughs> That's funny. That's actually so true. That's <laughs> yeah. the best way to describe Nashville right there. I'm going to steal that and use it in the rest of my conversations. Yeah, do it. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about commercial real estate. I mean, there's nothing little about commercial real estate. There's never an easy deal. I do very little commercial real estate, but what I have done, I have had one deal that took a whole year and I thought that was a long time until I started talking to real real commercial developers like yourself all over the country. They've had deals last 10 years. Tell us a little bit about what the biggest difference and change you've seen in commercial real estate and how you even got into that sector. Oh yeah, so I I, uh, I went to college in Knoxville for about a year. Dropped out after I completed my freshman semester, uh, or I guess two semesters, uh, and moved back here and, and got into. I was actually working for my grandfather as a project manager for his construction company for a little bit. I grew up doing that um, every summer, and uh, figured that was my path. You know, I'd take over his construction company and grow that. Uh, and about four months into it, I, I got a job offer from a, a local developer. This was back in 2013 uh, to come work for him. Uh, as his in-house leasing agent. And so they um, paid for me to get my commercial real estate license, uh, which is the same as residential, and gave me a uh, 500,000 square foot shopping center, a 60,000 square foot office building, and a couple hundred thousand square feet of industrial to go lease. And I said, okay, how do I do this? And they said, go find somebody that wants some space and we'll show you. Uh, So I spent six months knocking on doors, trying to get deals done before I closed my first deal. Uh, and that's, that's about how long it takes, you know, I mean, everybody talks about how the, the, like the biggest differences between commercial and residential, it takes a long time to close a commercial deal. You know, even, uh, on the, the shorter time, if you're buying a commercial property, it'll take 45 to 60 days. Uh, but that's, that's quick. You know, we've, we've had development deals to go 12 to 18 months, uh, before they close. I've got one that's been under contract for about three years now. Um, just cause the, the buyer is a, an affordable developer. And they've got a bunch of boxes that they have to check uh, before that'll ever close. So, yeah, that's a that's a little overview on on commercial real estate. <laughs> it's it's more than a little bit. I tell you, my first my first commercial deal took thirty days. It was a piece Not of land. Bad. It took yeah, it was cash though. It was an all cash deal, and um, it was actually my second deal. So my very first deal was like a sixty five thousand dollar house. It closed in thirty days. I was like, okay, whatever, residential. This isn't hard. And then I got a commercial buyer, one and a half million dollars cash. It was a utility company looking for land. And um, apparently when I first started in real estate eight years ago, I had a less aggressive voice and I was much more mouthy, I guess is a good word. And the gentleman on the other line, he was a full-time commercial agent and much more experienced, 
hung up on me because he thought I was joking. And so I would call him and he would say, listen, little kid, little girl, I have no idea what you want from me, but I only do real business. So I ended up having to go around him and call his broker. And I brokered this deal on my own around this guy. I found I found the seller and I actually stalked this guy down at a church and like, hey, listen, you got this land for sale. Your broker won't take me seriously. I'm sure it sounded like this. Please help me. I'm so scared. <laughs> and you know, this is only my second contract and it's a million and a half dollars. I'm freaking out in 2014. And um, we got the we got the deal done in 30 days or less. But the company that purchased the land already knew all of the information about it ahead of time. Now, fast forward eight years, I've got one five acre piece of land currently. Uh, open zoning. So we've had to push it through zoning commissions. We had to put, we had to push it through the city. We had to make a plan. We had to do a site plan. We had to do, uh, you know, all of the core drilling and make sure that all of the things that go along with it, making sure that everything got tested properly. And if you want to do a gas station, good God. So I understand commercial real estate better than most residential agents. I surround myself with it to understand what's coming for the residential side of it, because rooftops follow retail or retail follows rooftops. And those things, those two things come together as a package. Without one, you don't have the other. But your specialty is commercial. And you have experience that goes back decades, if not an entire family, two or three generations. But what you've accomplished in Nashville just recently, tell us about that project. Because being able to, one, find affordable real estate in Nashville is mind-blowing. And two, what you were able to do to change the not only this one particular project, but the landscape of what surrounds it. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, your experience is not unlike a lot of residential agents' experience uh, in commercial real estate, right? I mean, uh, when I first started my brokerage back in 2018, you know, I kind of built my business off of referrals from residential agents because. Uh, they're out there, you know, there's hundreds, there's thousands, literally, I think there's over 12,000 residential agents in Nashville. So I figured, Hey, you know, that's 12,000 potential salespeople that can send me leads. Why should I go knock on doors when I could just have them go do that for me? And a lot of commercial brokers just won't return the phone calls from residential agents. And so, uh, we built some pretty good business off of that. And, uh, it, it, it helped us really get off, off the ground and running fast, but uh, it makes no sense to me as to why people do that. It's like, look, we're all, at the end of the day, we're all here to get deals done. Um, so, so let's find a way to make that happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, w- when it comes to you know changing up properties and and uh, building neighborhoods, I mean, retail is a great way to do that. You know, we took uh, an old car wash um, here in East Nashville, it was a six bay car wash, and converted it into five micro restaurants and a bar. You know, it used to be this rundown building that nobody would go to. There was kind of nothing on that that corner. It was a little empty. And, you know, now you've got, we've got 80 seats outside. The place is regularly packed. Uh, and it's, and it's really cool to see these small businesses just thriving there. And now everybody that's in the neighborhood behind it can walk to all of these restaurants. And so not only were the, the residential rooftops a driver for the restaurants, well, now the restaurants are a driver for higher home sales in that area because you actually have something that you can walk to, spend time at, um, and enjoy uh, as a resident in the area. Yeah. I think that's something that. You know, being being in Knoxville, and you you experienced Knoxville for a year, you know, and you left, <laughs> like, like a lot of people do, like a lot of people do. Um, you left for a bigger city, even though Nashville's changed a lot in the last decade. Nashville's much much larger and has always been much much more advanced than Knoxville. We're starting to meld that a little bit in Knoxville with the new mayor, Glenn Jacobs. Um, in his last four year term, he's term limited two terms, 
what he's done is actually recreate a plan for Knox County to have what we would call micro subdivisions, like little micro pockets, like North Shore Town Center that has a Target and a grocery store and a nail salon and four restaurants and a bank. And it's got this condo slash apartment complex, some are residential to purchase, some are lease. And then you've got a little, um, like an outdoor play section and all the things that you would need in a community, you can walk to. And it's its own entity. And I know that there are some places in Nashville that were already pre-built that like that. But there are places in East, Na- East Nashville, like you're building out, like your vision, that don't have anything like that. So being able to bring that absolutely 100% increases the value of the properties around it. Because if you can save one traffic, you don't have to sit in traffic for 20 minutes to get to a grocery store or get to a restaurant and you can walk there. You are more likely to purchase that property, even if it's not in a class A state, what class A commercial or class A residential, you're willing to sacrifice convenience for luxury. Yeah, you see that that all over the place now, you know, back after the uh, in the in the post-war boom of the, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, you saw a lot of people moving out into the suburbs and we became very car dependent. And the problem with that is you get a lot of these neighborhoods where you have no sidewalks, you can't walk to anything, you're relatively isolated unless you, you know, make a, a conscientious effort to be around your neighbors. And, you know, you kind of lose that sense of community that people need, right? And so when you're looking at these urban neighborhoods, you know, it's it's pretty nice to be able to just walk to a couple of restaurants or walk to the neighborhood bar or walk to the grocery store. You know, it really makes a difference on the uh, your your lifestyle and your health, too. So, there are a lot of, uh, you know, major pros that, that come out of these more urban developments where you have mixed uses. You know, I, I don't like looking at projects that have a single use anymore, right? So like even a subdivision, why does that need to be all houses? Why can't you have a little neighborhood restaurant or bar? Or why can't you have a, a neighborhood convenience store? Because it'll pull traffic from the nearby neighborhoods as well. It's not just going to come from that neighborhood, but it makes living in that neighborhood so much more convenient, more appealing. Pain head to toe? Go see Dr. Joe. Certified sports chiropractor with specialties in dry needling, soft tissue therapy, TENS unit targeting, and spinal manipulation. 15 years of athletic chiropractic training at your service right here in Knoxville, located off of South Peters Road. That's Dr. Joe Cairo at GoSeeDrJoe.com. Call the office today or visit our website. Right. And the reason that they can't, where I live, and most of the smaller towns, Knoxville's not necessarily a small town. It's the second largest town in the state of Tennessee at this time. Knoxville's growing, obviously. But one of the biggest reasons in smaller towns that you can't do that is zoning. I know that you know a lot about zoning. I don't know how... Many people actually pay attention, especially, and unfortunately, real estate agents, even commercial real estate agents who aren't plugged in or selling a lot, leasing a lot, they are not plugged into zoning. There are reasons that subdivisions are so isolated and people are so isolated is your zoning boards. Are you, and I'm not, I'm going to ask this question like, I don't know it because I know my listeners don't know it. Are you involved in the zoning boards in Nashville? What are all the steps that you take to stay involved, to be able to bring these things to your clients? Yeah, I mean, we get involved in more of the design um, ideation side of things. So I'm a member of ULI, the Urban Land Institute, uh, member of the Nashville Civic Design Center. And these groups are, are pushing forward new ways of thinking about our zoning and the way that our neighborhoods are developed. Um, and then, of course, you know, we're going through rezonings and, and, and things like that on our projects. I mean, we're taking a, one piece right now 
um, that's about two and a half acres that is currently zoned for like three houses, but it's surrounded by commercial and neighborhoods. And we're showing them, hey, we need to we need to rezone this for 34 units. It's going to be a walkable neighborhood. There's all these restaurants over here. It's going to become this completely new hub of activity that people want within their neighborhoods. Right. I mean, you know, you look at uh, 12th Avenue South in Nashville, you know, a lot of people are familiar with that because it's a it's a big destination. Well, I remember you know, I don't know. nothing except mafiosos. That yeah. Is it. <laughs> yeah. Mafiosos. That's a great, great, great little the pizza spot. There. <laughs> Go down there for two for Tuesdays. But, you know, back then, I think this was probably 10 years ago, um, they made a decision to to take the uh, the street from a thoroughfare down to a, a destination, right? So instead of expanding the roads to allow more traffic to go through it, they actually condensed the roads. It's only one lane each way. Uh, now you've got bike paths, larger sidewalks. And when they made that decision, 12th Avenue South exploded, right? Because all these people wanted to live over there. All these restaurants wanted to be there to be in the neighborhood. The and now it's one of the, huge there the farmer's now. market. Yeah. yeah, you've got coffee shops, bars, restaurants, shopping. Uh, you know, Reese Witherspoon has a retail spot on that strip now, um, and it's this amazing destination that's so uncar friendly uh, that for a lot of people it sounds counterintuitive, right? Like if you make a destination tough to get to, or you know, not very parkable, you know, you would think that people wouldn't go there, but it's actually the opposite. People want to go I there because they can walk around. The Birkin bag, ring a bell. You have to spend $25,000 in the store to get put on a wait list for a bag that looks just like every other bag. Exactly. <laughs> and everybody crazy. wants the bag. Yeah, <laughs> so. everybody wants the bag. You know, it's just, it makes the area so much nicer because it's it's designed around people and not around cars. You know, whenever something's designed around cars, you're just trying to get from point A to point B. Everything in between doesn't matter to you. Well, I agree with that 100%. I think that Knoxville's got a lot to go, a lot to grow, and a lot to know. And those are things that we can learn from Nashville just two and a half hours down the road. But we also see, as I was in Nashville, what, two weekends ago? And I was driving to the coffee shop that you recommended. What was it? Um, Retrograde. Retrograde. And it was interesting because it was very good, number one, like extremely good coffee. And number two, I had mentioned it to the person I was meeting with before I met you, and I told him where I was going and he was like, oh man, I wish you would have told me that too. I would have met you there too. Like, and he lives on the totally other side of Nashville. So building these spaces and understanding that they offer value for locally owned, locally operated, these hole in the wall that aren't holes at all, places in these neighborhoods that are dilapidated. I mean, as you're driving through to get to that place, you can see all of the progress that's been made. But on the other side of that, you still see all of this potential progress that can be made. What is Nashville doing to move that forward, and how does that play into what you're you are doing? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of cities are kind of starting to rethink their zoning and, and urban design, and I think it's good that we're we're finally starting to see that. You know, there's been a lot of groups um, like Strong Towns uh, that have been out there really advocating for this for years about you know what actually makes a strong town. You know, you you look at these these towns that are designed around cars, and and people don't want to live in them. You know, they live out in the suburbs because it's it's not pleasant. You can't walk around. You know, it's it's kind of a a chicken or the egg. A lot of people think that people that that you know residents don't want to be in the urban core, and so they don't deliver anything that would make living in the urban core desirable. Which means people will never move there. Uh, you know, but Nashville about twenty years ago redid its zoning so that you could start building residential properties downtown, and now it's just booming. 
you know, you've got thousands and thousands of apartments down there, condos, uh, people do want to be there. And I think that, you know, as, um, especially in the Southeast, as our cities continue to grow, um, as they have the past few years, you know, we're going to see, uh, more and more of that. And, and I think that we'll start to see these little hubs develop, um, within the city. You t- look at Atlanta, right? You've got all these little neighborhoods that people like to live, work and play within that neighborhood. And because traffic is so bad in the city, they try not to go to other parts of the city. And so you almost get these little mini cities, right? Uh, with their own downtowns where, you know, people can live, work, play in those areas, walk to all the restaurants, bars, activities, you know, work that they want to do, um, without actually having to commute. And so I think that that's a huge trend that we'll see, um, continue to evolve over the next few decades. So devil's advocate on that. I spent a lot of time in the larger cities, LA, New York, Tampa, uh, Miami, Atlanta, a lot of time in Atlanta because it's closer. A lot of problems with that is that you get to the point where you are so micro, you're so micro that you literally meet no one else. So it's almost right. as damaging as the suburbs. So where's that limit? Yeah, I mean, you you could definitely argue that. But if you look at the, the density, you still have more people living within a several block radius uh, than you do out in the suburbs. Right. And so just in your day to day activities, you're going to encounter more people, uh, which most people want that. Right. I mean, they do want to be around friends and family and community um, and, and the suburbs just isolate you. Right. Um, so in, in, in that density allows for the design and development of all of these amenities that make it even more pleasant to live there. Right. I mean, there is a reason that people love moving to New York City. Right. I mean, I think it's crazy. I love to visit New York. I could never live there. But the fact that you've got so many different uh, modes of transportation, you can get anywhere in the city uh, relatively easily. Um, you can walk just about everywhere you want. Uh, and there's there's restaurants, bars, unique things to do in all areas of town. Uh, that's what makes it so desirable. Right. There's just there's so many people there, which means there's so much to do. Um, and so when you move that residential into these commercial districts and you stop, you know, separating and isolating commercial from residential, you create a much more uh, beneficial, mutually beneficial relationship between the two. We all know that real estate is location, location, location. Our team at Just Homes Group has the true expertise, pairing buyers and sellers with the right opportunities. Whether you're looking to buy or sell a home, right here in Knoxville, Lenore City, Clinton, or Farragut. We have the expertise throughout every Knoxville surrounding area. Call Julia Hurley at 865-237-7328. What do you think is going to be the transportation outlook on all of this? Tennessee does not have easy, usable roadways. We never have. I don't think we ever will. I'm not exactly sure that we are genuinely invested as a state yet in transportation uh, options, I guess is a good word for that. I think that we talk about it a lot and we're still not quite there. I mean, we still don't have a zoning requirement for sidewalks and subdivisions. I mean, we're still we're still at the baby steps at the bottom down here. And even though Nashville is setting that standard, they're still kind of getting off their feet with this new outlook on the way to live. we Everybody says, don't come here, don't come here. We'll just end up at, like Atlanta. It, it took Atlanta 75 years to get where they're at today. This didn't happen right. overnight. And we have a lot of opportunity to do the right things as they come along. What do you envision for transportation? 
Yeah, I mean, Nashville did actually implement a sidewalk mandate a few years back. It was somewhat controversial, but, you know, I think everybody agrees that sidewalks do make your project look better. They make it, uh, you know, more accessible. Um, and so, you know, we don't actually even, you, you used to be able to pay in lieu of fees and avoid building sidewalks. We actually have just always built them because to us, uh, it makes the project so much more appealing and, and, and more accessible, which is exactly what we want, right? Um, you know, in terms of transportation, uh, it's it's come up multiple times in Nashville. Um, it keeps getting voted down. Uh, the problem that we have here in Nashville is that, uh, you know, back 40, 50 years ago, Metro Nashville actually incorporated the entire county, right? And so now you've got residents that do drive to every corner. Uh, Nashville is one of the most spread out cities in the country. It's it's actually really, really big in terms of landmass. And, you know, those people get to have a vote on whether the downtown urban areas get transit. And the problem with that is they look at it and go, I'm never going to use that. I'm going to vote no. Uh, but the that means that in 10 years from now, when that would have been completed, because we all know that government does not move fast, it's going to be so much worse. And people are going to keep blaming, you know, people moving here. Well, you know, we had a referendum back in 2017, 2016, or, you know, that where we could have voted to have transit, at least some form of it in Nashville. And we said no. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to continue to be a problem. I think we're going to have to have some sort of light rail system at some point. You just look at cities that have that and it makes living there so much more pleasant. I mean, I went with my girlfriend about a month ago to Boston. And to just be able to jump on the train whenever we wanted to, to get anywhere we wanted in the city was, was unbelievable. And there's a lot of people that live in this, you know, high dense urban area and there was almost no traffic, right? Cause a lot of people don't take cars. They either walk or they get on the train, they take the bus. And when you have enough people doing that, it just makes your commutes and, and your lifestyle so much more pleasant. I think. I agree. And that was the experience that we had um, on the several occasions that I've visited Australia. And I've visited the entire continent all over the continent, not just one or two cities, every city. It's it's nearly as big as the United States, 152nd of the population and barely enough space to live in it. So right. you, you can get there, though, all by rail. And I think that that's something that a lot of people go, well, we're not Australia. Why are you referencing something completely across the other side of the world? Because the population is the same. Their largest city, Sydney, is three times, four times bigger the population as Nashville, and they have an entire roadless system, if that's what you choose. And those systems will actually go the four or five hours to as small of a town as Knoxville, and it connects. And you could just go to your little hometown train station, pop on, and go work in the city for the week and come back home for the weekend, never get in a car. I find that that is one of the biggest solutions that we could possibly have, considering the fact that we have one of the largest rail systems ever built in America. Right. Yeah. The problem is it's privately owned. Right. You know, I mean, you can argue all day about what government should and shouldn't be involved in. But I think that transit is one of those things. I mean, you know, that uh, same with, with, you know, taking airplanes. Right. Like it's it's a necessity now. It's not a luxury. Right. A lot of businesses work across the country. And so people. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, it's, I I was talking to somebody when I was up in Boston and, you know, they said that, you know, every so often they'll take a train down to Pittsburgh or down to DC because there are rail lines that connect almost the whole Northeast. I I was just thinking to myself, I was like, man, how amazing would it be if, if you could just take a train to Atlanta for the weekend? You know, we have the infrastructure there. 
the problem is, is the lines are just privately owned. And, you know, that's something that we've got to figure out because, you know, it's, it's very cost prohibitive um, to go back and build new rail lines, right? You think about all the property that you would have to condemn uh, to make that happen because you can't take up the interstates, right? Um, you could run lines down the interstates, but now we're talking about spending billions of dollars when the infrastructure is already there. How do we, how do we work with private rail lines um, to also get passenger rail? You know, Nashville recently did that a line running from downtown all the way out east to, I think, past Lebanon, which is about 45-minute drive outside of town. And uh, it's called the Nashville Star, I think. And it's packed. I mean, I used to live down on 2nd Avenue. I would walk my dog super early in the morning and watch the train come in and people just unloading off of that. They live 45 minutes outside of town. And that's great. You know, we just we just need to figure out more of that. I agree with that, like, wholeheartedly. I think that transportation is going to be the biggest challenge that we have in the larger cities. In cities like Knoxville, just getting a plan on paper is our biggest challenge and getting the elected officials to agree to it. I mean, this has been 20 years in the making and it's, you know, now we've had a governor that came out of Knoxville that had that same process over 20 years ago when he was mayor and still couldn't get it done then. So, you know, it's just changing the mindset of comfort isn't just being out in the suburbs and being left alone. Comfort can include commercial real estate, right. which we need. Yeah. <laughs> you need you need tons of it. You need tons of it and you need mixed use. You know, you need high density, which a lot of people are against higher density, which is is crazy to me because it their arguments actually make no sense. Um I mean, you look at uh like Green Hills, right? There's this there's this project in Green Hills called Virtus, which is a 16-story tower. Well, nothing else over there is is taller than four stories. So when they came out, it was incredibly controversial. And one of the biggest issues that the neighborhood was fighting about was traffic. Well, Green Hills already didn't have good traffic, right? It was already kind of packed because there's only one street that runs through it. Um, but one thing that you see there more today, and I had a friend comment on this not too long ago. They're like, I never saw people walking around Green Hills. You would drive your car right up to the store you're going to. Now, since Virtus is open, people walk everywhere. And you think about how many car trips that actually takes off the road. Right. If I can live in Virtus and I can walk across the street to Trader Joe's, then I don't have to worry about getting in my car, taking, you know, sitting in traffic, all of that kind of stuff. It just makes the process so much more pleasant. Is that where Char is? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. So we, we actually stayed down there for Joe's 40 or 39th birthday. And we, our daughter's name was Charlotte. And we took her to Char for her birthday, for his birthday to eat. And we were just down there having a meeting at Green Hills Grill last weekend. Yeah. I was like, I, I, we were driving through the the interstate pass, you know, where you can go the too many too many people going too many different ways. And I used to stay in the apartment complex on the left when I used to work for um, Ed Bryant. And yeah. so I was like, this looks so familiar, but it doesn't at the same time. It still feels like Green Hills, but it looks it was so much easier to get in and out of. And I think that oh, yeah. helped. Yeah, a thousand percent. Night and day. Night and day. It makes it makes a big difference. I think you know uh, it's it's time that we stop looking at commercial as as this totally separate entity from residential. They they need to be combined. Um, it makes I mean one it makes it a more uh, desirable area to live in, but two it also promotes affordability, right? I mean you cannot have affordable housing with a higher density, right? I mean if if I've got to pay market rate for land, market rate for construction, and I can only build ten units on it. Well, I've got to sell at the highest price I possibly can because I can't. I have to make money, right? You're taking a lot of risk oh, yeah. as a developer. Argument of a lifetime for me. Politically, it, I've been arguing this for a decade. 
Oh, exactly. Yeah. But if I can go and get that site rezoned for 60 units, then I've, I'm buying the land for the price of 10 units, then I can actually afford to build some affordable housing on that and make it so that a bunch of different income levels can can live there, you know, which which makes a big difference. I mean, Nashville's having a lot of issues with that right now because it's gotten so expensive to live here. Um, and there's there's just nowhere for the people that help make the city run every day to live. Yeah. That's unfortunate. And that happens. And agreeable. Like if you don't, if you don't offer different kinds of housing in the same complex, nobody can, nobody, including this level gets to stay for very long. It all falls apart. Takes all kinds. That's exactly it. Work together, commercial and residential. Everybody has to work together. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have almost zero time left and we've talked about absolutely nothing and everything at the same time, which is exactly what (laughs) It's nothing and everything to everybody. And I really appreciate all that you do for Nashville. I know that I wanted to touch a little bit and I don't have time, so we'll have to come back another time. But to let everybody know that Tyler is a bigger pocket speaker. He does training courses on how to invest in commercial real estate. He is he has an open book of information. He is not he is not gatekeeping information on how to get money and how to be part of this and how to do things. So if you want to learn how to invest in commercial real estate, learn how to become a commercial real estate broker. Tyler is the person that I send all of my referrals to in the entire West, or I'm sorry, Middle Tennessee area. There's nobody else to send your business to other than Tyler Cobble. I don't even know what else to tell you guys. If you're a residential real estate agent and you have somebody in Nashville, please let me know. I will make sure you get in touch with Tyler. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the sponsors of this podcast. We appreciate you. If you would like to be a sponsor, let me know. Tyler, any last words for us in Knox, Vegas, Tennessee? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, look, Knoxville's got a long way to go, uh, but it's doing a lot of the right things. Right. And and it's exciting to see how far that city has come uh, since I was there 10 years ago. Uh, it's exciting to see the neighborhoods develop. I'm excited to see what you're doing. I mean, you're making a huge impact uh, on on the neighborhoods out there. So so kudos to you for doing that. Um, and yeah, thanks. Thanks for the shout out. Uh, you know, if y'all want to learn more about commercial real estate, the best way is, is on my YouTube channel, uh, Tyler Cobble. Um, and if you want to learn more on the course, oh, just oh, it's not C-O-B-B-L-E. Spell it for That's him. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's C-A-U-B-L-E. It's a, it's a very funny spelling. Um, and then also, uh, if you want more on the course, TylerCobble.com slash course. And if you want to connect with me at Commercial in Nashville on Instagram. But Julia, thank you so much for having me. I have all of this. I'll make sure to also add it to our interview as well. Thank you so much for being on the show, Tyler. Have an awesome day. Thank you for tuning into the show. Make sure to like and subscribe. Leave a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And if you would like information on moving to Knoxville, send me a private message. As always, this is Julia Hurley connecting Knoxville to the nation.